But here we are. I, I'm going to try to lower expectations right at the beginning. Um, they gave me this question, and my first reaction was like, I don't know. Uh, total shoulder shrug. And then uh, yesterday I was like, oh shoot, I need to prep something for that. And I made this like lovely little handout here, and then we're going to kind of just wing it and see what happens. I also was talking with some of the staff before, and I was like, they gave me an hour. This could go 20 minutes. We'll see who guy it is to stretch this out to. Um, so just bear with me. Because I might, I might go off script too. And my basic plan is to kind of walk through some of this handout to ask questions. And I need audience participation. Uh, no, one wants to, no one wants me to just talk for an hour. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, definitely not. Um, so I will ask some questions. I hope you just shoot from the hip. Give me your thoughts. We've got Paige here. If no one else will talk, Paige will, Paige will share opinions. Uh, and then... Yeah, at the end, if we do have more time, what I'll, at, also just throughout the whole time, feel free to just stop me and ask, ask a question. Uh, I'm happy to, to be interrupted. Just like this. I'm so used to what? this. Julia was <laughs> in my class. <laughs> I am about to save your face. Julia was in my class, and this was, this was every they time. Every chairs. class period, she walked in three minutes late while I was talking. You know, ramping up and getting into it, and then it just interrupted. I told Derek when I signed up for the class, I had class before that ended at three. Uh, was that on every? Was that every day or just one of the days? Just Tuesdays. Oh yeah, well. I was on time on Thursdays. <laughs> Don't let this be a. This is not a. Uh, Preview of Lewis House classes. This is, and we're not. We don't really berate you if you're late. Just Julia, because she deserves it. Um, but none of you all would. All I have to say, I really don't mind being interrupted. Uh, please, just. I was. I, that's actually what I was saying when you walked in. Is like, please stop me and ask a question. Um, we. I'd be happy to, to talk more if I say something confusing or whatnot. Okay, so let's talk about why did Jesus suffer and die. First question, and this is to the audience, so share your wisdom, is why is this a question? Why is this something that's worth asking or wrestling with? Or do you find something that's problematic about it? Or any thoughts about that? Why, why is this worth asking in the first place? Yeah. I think like it's a common thing to say, like, two wrongs go like a right. And we often look at suffering as we're wrong. So how does suffering and sin combine to make what Jesus did for us? It doesn't yeah. equate like that. Good. Yeah. Very good. Any other thoughts? Or yeah. I mean, probably one thing I've heard is like if God can do anything, then why would he have to suffer to be able to pay for this rather than fix it? Yeah, exactly. Any other thoughts? But they're both good, right on, right? Like that's why we want that's why this is a question and why something it's something that people ask is couldn't God just say you're forgiven? We see that in the gospels actually, right? Jesus, whenever he encounters certain people, he says, you know, he comments on their faith and says, Go in peace, your sins are forgiven. Just kind of says your sins are forgiven. Doesn't need to be any sort of death uh you can just say it. And so why can't God just say that over our sins? That's that's the basic question. What is what's the role of Jesus' death and resurrection and, and suffering? It's not just a death, it's it's a pretty horrific death. Uh, and that's a good place to start. Well actually here's a good place to start. Let's let's start with this foundation. Anything we say, anything we build, 
is going to be built on top of this first foundation, which is there is a kind of cosmic mystery about Jesus' death. There's something going on here that nobody, I, don't, I, I think, none, none of us can fully understand. Paul says, you know, right now we see in a, in a mirror dimly, but one day we'll know in full. So we can recognize at the beginning that there's something about Jesus, Jesus' life, even his teachings, many of the things he says, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. There's something that's going on, some effect this is having on our world that is mysterious to us. Now, we do know a lot about it, right? We know a lot of the purposes and reasons, and there's a lot more that we can say than just shrugging our shoulders. But I think it's a good place to start there. It's that often when we're dealing with the deep things of God, if we're dealing with mystery and mysteries that will one day be revealed is the promise. The other uh, key note is that it's not that just that Jesus dies, it's that he dies in a really terrible way, that there's the suffering that's involved with it, that he's um, essentially murdered by, uh, by a group of people. This is a kind of form of capital punishment except for an innocent person. And that's, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, that the, the Christian symbol... Uh, the first thing we think about when we think of Christianity, many of us, if we had to think of a symbol, would be what? A cross. Some of you are probably wearing a cross somewhere on your body right now, be it a bracelet, a necklace, a tattoo. Uh, if you think about what that actually is, if, for, if you showed that to, like if, if we brought in a first century Roman in here and showed them, like, hey, look, a bunch of us are wearing crosses on our necks, and we talk about the cross a lot. To them, that's, that's a, a method of public edu- uh, execution. So if you think about it, compared, comparing it today, this would be like wearing uh, an electric chair uh, around <laughs> your neck or uh, lethal injection, right? This is, this is what we're talking about, is the central symbol of Christianity is this method of execution that is a pretty horrific method of execution as well. A kind of ironic thing about theology or about the deep things of God is usually when you, the the more you focus in on a particular part of the story, the more confusing it can become. So I think it's helpful at the start to widen the lens and think about Jesus' death and suffering in the context of, of the wider narrative. What is God doing in the world? What is the gospel? This is a word we throw around a lot, good news, right? What is the gospel? What's, and, and the gospel, I think, is just the good news of what God is doing to save his people. So let's tell the gospel story um, in, in really basic, simple terms. It's not a trick question. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, I'm not thinking of something really specific and, and deep that you have no clue. But what's, what, what, do you, what do you think about when you think of the gospel? What is that story? Can you even tell part of the story? You don't tell the whole story. <laughs> was born first. He came into the Jesus, world. Yeah, Jesus was born. Yeah. Um, lived this whole life and taught us, taught the Jewish people all these amazing things about what, what was going to happen. And then he did it. Yeah. He died. Yeah. Then he rose. Died, rose. Yeah. Good. Anybody want to add anything? Supplement? Don't the creation of heaven and earth and like the garden. Yeah, so going back further, the need for Jesus comes from our separation from God uh, 
in sin. So yeah, I think, um, so this is, I guess, a little bit of a shameless plug. It's a project I'm currently working on that's a little bit ways off. But I'm working on a, a and not cheating on you, Bruce, I promise, a six-part podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> about the gospel. It's just called the gospel. And what I'm trying to do is widen the story of when we think about the gospel, we think about what God is doing. And when we talk about the good news, what are we talking about? I'll see if I can remember each part here that, that I think kind of helps us tell the story. But first, you have creation. This is the first act of grace, is that God, grace just means gift. Uh, it's something God has given us. Creation is the very first act of grace and shows us that God's heart is outwardly focused and for us. So we have creation, but then we have fall, right? This is this, the, the, our rebellion against God, our, dis, our choice to, to go a different path than the one that God provides for us. Then I think the third one is promise, uh, that, that God is, it's what God has promised to do, and he makes several different promises in the Old Testament to different people, uh, like to Abraham and to Moses. To Abraham, to make your people, to, to make your family into a great people, and that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. That he's choosing this this people group um, to to show to manifest his presence into the world. And of course, through Moses, it happens in the releasing of the Israelites from slavery, going parting the Red Sea, the law, uh, which gives the people a, a way, a structure of life that points them toward God. Uh, so you've got all these promises that, that are finally fulfilled in Jesus, and that's the, the next part is incarnation. That, like you said, God becomes a man uh, and dwell, dwells among us. The Word become fle- became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how John one puts it. And so this is a, a monumentous event uh, that is again shows us a picture of, of God's heart. That Jesus takes on our human uh, our, takes on human nature and perfects it. This is Paul in Romans 5. Uh, Jesus is like a new Adam. There's a new creation happening in Jesus. This is why, I don't know if you've ever noticed, in John chapter 1, it starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, right? To anyone that has, was familiar with the Old Testament, that would set off alarm bells. The very first words of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So what John, the Gospel of John, especially gives us is new creation that's inaugurated through this one man, Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's, that's what the incarnation is the beginning of. Uh, and that Jesus is, again, like Paul says in Romans 5, uh, like a new Adam. A new way of being human is what Jesus is offering us, uh, incarnation. The fifth thing would be atonement. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And so this is, yeah, this is usually where we... We lump in Jesus' suffering and death for us, for our sins, to try to make things right uh, with God and with us. And then the last one, six, would just be rain. This is Jesus' resurrection, ascension, and then now he's, we call him King Jesus because he's king over the whole world and what that means. But at the center of that story, as you probably realize, is the death. And, it's, and usually when we think about the gospel, we think about Jesus' death. Uh, as the as playing a central role, uh, and, and, a, and a pretty brutal death at that. So a lot of times this gets tagged as, like I said, atonement. Who, who, who knows what that word means? Who wants to kind of stumble through a definition? That's not an easy thing to do to define define atonement, but it's probably something you've heard. It's almost like settling like 
like a, a dead, it's like pain, like, like, like evening out like a, like a punishment or like a, something wrong done to you. Yeah, so, okay. Right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm asking you. Yes. I'm asking <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, what, anything else? You want to fill this out a little bit more? Like being put into right standing. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I, I love the history of this word. Um, and I, I'm a nerd, so I know not everyone likes history of words. Uh, but this, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, of a chap named William Tyndale. He's an English reformer. Really, he's before Luther. So you think about like the Reformation, um, which is where I think most, if not all of us in here, draw our heritage of, of our denomination, where, where we come from is out of this kind of Reformation. Um, but before Luther, there were these guys who thought, hey, the Bible, we should have the Bible in our own language so that we can all understand it. And Tyndale was an English reformer who was one of the first people to translate the Bible. So you know, you're probably familiar with the King James Version of, of Scripture. They just ripped Tyndale. Like, Tyndale was the first one to kind of translate the Bible. And a lot of the language, the beautiful language of the King James, comes from Tyndale. Uh, a committee got a hold of it, and they made some changes and made a lot of it worse. But Tyndale was like one of the first to translate the Bible in the, in, the, in the New Testament. And he comes to this word, this Greek word, and he's trying to explain what it means. And he comes up with this word, atonement. And I don't know if you've ever thought about breaking that word apart, but it literally just means at one mint. At one minute, this is what God is doing uh, in His death, resurrection, and ascension is making us at one with Him, that we're reunited uh, with God. That's what the atonement is really after. It's a reconciliation. Uh, we often think about we we and, and we'll talk about some of these different theories. You might have heard atonement theories. Uh, this is kind of theology 101, I guess, of, of different ways of thinking about the mechanism by which we're atoned with God. But that's really, I think, the key part of that phrase, is that it reconciles us, it brings us um, back at one with God. So here's what we'll do. We'll talk about some of these different theories, the ways that different theologians have thought about it, different scripture passages kind of present the atonement, uh, and then we'll do a breakout for the breakout if we have, uh, I think we'll have some time, um, so, so we don't, it's not just me talking up here for an hour is I'm going to put you into three different teams, and you all are going to read these different scriptures, talk about them, and then we'll come back together, and you're going to kind of just share some of what you all discussed in the group. Um, some of the ones that had my theology group know these, our theology class know these groups well. Um, With we, team names? Well, I gave you team names. The A-team, group, group two, and the blue team. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I decided, yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm trying to mess with you. Uh, throw you off your game a little bit so you can really focus. But first, let's, so let's quickly, the reason I thought, let's talk about some of these theories first is, so you can see, and again, these are uh, theories that come from different passages in Scripture and then are ways that different theologians have tried to describe what's happening. And you'll start to see them in different passages or in different ways that people talk about the atonement. So like when you said debt is paid, that's because there's an a, a atonement theory that is along those lines, and it kind of infiltrates the way we tend to think about it, which is not a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of, and different. there are different ways of kind of approaching it. Um, so what I'm going to try to do is quickly explain what it is and give you a cheesy analogy. So penal substitution, which is a 
weird word that probably none of you uh, immediately grasp what it is. Penal is just like the legal code. And yeah, Paige, <laughs> grow up, Paige. Um, <laughs> penal substitution, the, 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 you think of like penal is actually like legal uh, or in terms of law. So, and then substitution, you know, one the one dies for the other. Uh, so this is very much in legal terms, and that there's there's this. Uh, you, usually, you think about this in terms of there's the wrath of God that needs to be appeased. That uh, God is angry at the sin uh, of humanity, and, and Jesus is the one who stands in our place, who substituted, and then takes the force of that wrath. Right. So does anyone know where this quote's from? Somebody's got to go to prison, Ben. National yeah. Treasure. Of course, National Treasure, yeah. So uh, there's a bit at the end where after, you know, there's a spoiler alert here, uh, after he finds the treasure, yep, yep. Uh, he finds the treasure and he's talking to an FBI agent at the end, and uh, they're, they're kind of bartering on how, what are we going to do with this, who gets in trouble, and, you know, he, Ben's, this is Nick Cage, is Ben, he's like, I really don't want to go to prison. I don't want any of my uh, compadres to go to prison either. And the FBI agent, who's very sympathetic, but is like, somebody's got to go to prison then, right? So, there, there was some wrong committed here. The Declaration of Independence was stolen. Somebody's got to pay for this, right? Uh, that's the kind of idea behind uh, the penal substitution is there's this wrong committed here, and when some, when some wrong is committed, it has to be made right, and somebody's got to be punished for it, right? Uh, and the emphasis here, again, is really, is typically on the wrath of God towards sin that needs to be appeased. So Jesus became sin for us, um, so that then, you know, that's how our sin was punished, is kind of put on Jesus. It's the substitution for it. Um, so that's, that's the basic idea there. So ransom theory is a different way of approaching it. Um, so it, some theologians have used the example of like it's like God put uh, bait on a on a fish hook and then threw it out into the ocean and then and Satan grabbed it. Uh, this is how it's usually explained. That's what Jesus' death is kind of doing. It's it's the bait, and that by uh, taking on that by, by Satan kind of taking that bait and thinking like yeah like let's kill let's kill Jesus. It, it's kind of like a trick, right? That that. By dying is actually how Jesus defeats death, uh, is, is how this usually gets um, discussed. So I, I don't know why I put fishing as sport. I, there's that. I, I just think it's funny that it, sometimes it's called a sport when it, it can't be a sport if the other team doesn't know uh, that it's playing. And so I'm kind of fishing <laughs> like that. Um, but this is the idea: is that there's this ignorance on the other side that Satan. Uh, Thinks like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give. I don't know if you've seen that. This is obviously off the top of my head. Isn't the Passion of the Christ? Isn't there like a Satan figure there who's like brooding over the whole event, but is like trying to bring this about, um, but just doesn't quite realize that by dying, this is actually how death will be defeated through the resurrection, uh, and so that we. It, what's kind of weird about this one is that it, the reason it's called a ransom is it's like a buying back. And so the idea is something like through our sin and through death, Satan kind of owns us. Um, you know, not exactly owns us, but that's the kind of idea in that we have to be bought back by, uh, by the death of Jesus. 
Uh, Christus victor, that's, I don't know why it's in Latin, but this is Latin, but you get the idea that Christ is victorious, so Rocky IV was on my mind recently for some reason, so that's what came to my mind, is this kind of victorious scene at the end where Rocky has beaten the Russians, he's gone through all of this terrible, you know, suffering uh, by, by the brutal training regimen in Russia, and then, you know, wins this really huge boxing match against this machine of a man. Uh, but it's this huge victorious moment. Uh, he's got the American flag draped over him, and you know he's on people's shoulders. Uh, this this kind of uh, victorious uh, aspect of Jesus' death and resurrection is certainly a stream that we see in the New Testament. Uh, that Jesus has conquered death through his death and resurrection, and now stands victorious over it and over all the forces of darkness, over Satan. Uh, and his death and suffering are a way that he does that. And then finally, satisfaction, which is uh, you know kind of more the debt part. It, it, we think of like there's a, there's a debt that's accrued. It's really similar to penal substitution, except the emphasis here, I, th- I think, is maybe a better way to, to distinguish the two, is instead of being on the wrath of God, it's more about their, just by committing a wrong towards someone else, that means there's, there's kind of a debt between you, right? So if you do something to your friend, and that's wrong. Let's say you call them a bad name or whatever. Um, and you, you, owe, you owe them an apology. And, and, and maybe even in some cases more than that. Like if your wrong is so great, even if they forgive you, it's like you still want to do something to make up for that, right? This is, this is called you know, making restitution or... A reconciliation to be reconciled. So if I mess up and say something stupid to my wife, um, you know, maybe I'm going to get up early the next morning and make her breakfast or something, and as well as uh, apologize and uh, you know, say something nice to her and ask for her forgiveness. And even if she forgives me, though, I don't know about you all, but even if she forgives me, like my intuition still says I want to do something to make up for this because there has been kind of just a wrong here. It's not that I need to, it's not that I'm bound to, because she's, she's not lording it over me and saying you have to do this to make up for it. But we just tend to want to make up for wrongs, and that's because there, is, there has been a debt here. There's been a debt that needs to be paid. Now imagine that you have wronged an all-powerful, perfect being. The debt is just so enormously great that none of us can pay it. Uh, there's, there's no sort of act we can do. Uh, that, that sufficiently pays this debt. And the thought with this one is, is that Jesus is, Jesus is willingly going to die is a way that this debt is paid. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the satisfaction theory. Those are the theories in a nutshell and different ways of approaching it. Another way, which you've probably already thought of, is there's, it's probably the case that all of these are true to one extent. Like They're all ways the Bible talks about uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and therefore ways we can't just like brush aside. So I think usually the key here is which one, are, which one do we emphasize? Or which one is the kind of precise mechanism by which we're actually saved? And some of these do better than others, right? So some, some of them I would have a problem with. If this was like the main way we talked about atonement, I would think, mm, I don't like that. Or this doesn't seem to be enough. Uh, but they're all part of the picture of when we use language to try to describe what's going on, they're all, they can all be helpful. So let's let you all talk for a little bit, because I'm tired of talking. So a breakout for the breakout here. Um, what we'll do, and this is going to be kind of tricky in this, this room. I didn't think we'd have quite this many people. But I think we can just kind of cordon ourselves off. Everyone take a corner. 
and uh, break up, break yourselves up into three groups and cover these passages. So what you'll do is we'll just take like 10 minutes, maybe not even that long, read through each of these passages. There's not very, there's none of them have, there's four verses I think is the most. Um, read it, talk about how this helps us explain the atonement or what is the theme that's being drawn out here? What does this tell us about Jesus' suffering and death? And then elect one person to just share with us quickly, sum up, here's what these verses said, here's what we discussed. Um, you know, give us the, the 20 second, 30 second click notes of what it said. Sound good? All right, so the A team's gonna be in this corner, group two is gonna be in this corner, and the blue team is gonna be over here. Um, so you've got, you've got a handout, you've got all the passages there. Just kind of group up geographically, you know.